0: As we are all still standing, I'd like to offer our scripture lesson for the sermon, but first I ask you to join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I do pray once again that you, by your powerful Holy Spirit, that you will bore out our ears so that your living and active and sharp word will penetrate, shape us continually to the image of Jesus Christ according to your promise, and now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for we pray this through Jesus, the word made flesh, And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from the 90th Psalm. I'll be reading the last two verses of Psalm 90, verses 16 and 17. Let your work appear to your servants and your majesty to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the works of our hands. Thus far the reading of God's word and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Today's sermon is titled, Beautifying the Church. Beautifying the Church. This is the work of the Lord. According to the 149th Psalm, the Lord beautifies his people by claiming them, choosing them, selecting them as his own. Psalm 149 says that the Lord beautifies the afflicted with salvation. In Psalm 29, we are then supposed to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. We are supposed to desire the beauty of the Lord. We're supposed to desire that the Lord beautify the church. The 27th Psalm One thing I have asked from the Lord, and that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in His holy temple. The beauty of the Lord is not the kind of beauty which is fleeting or wispy, disappearing with the passage of time. The Lord beautifies his people, he shares his ways with us, and we are to display his ways. The passage before us, the one I just read at the end of Psalm 90, actually mentions the beauty of the Lord. Now some translations use the word favor or pleasantness. Verse 17, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. Right, fine, good. Other translations render that particular word, let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. It's what the Lord desires to do, it's what we ought to desire. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. The particular word can be translated beauty or favor. It's related to the name Naomi, which means pleasant or pleasantness. Let that which is radiant and beautiful and pleasant be upon us. The 90th psalm is a tenacious psalm. The 90th psalm is a gripping psalm. It is a prayer of Moses, the man of God. This particular psalm has held the saints throughout the ages. This particular psalm is also one which the saints have held on to throughout their ages. This particular prayer, this psalm, confesses the God who endures, while at the same time confesses that we will not endure. That is, we will pass along. We will pass away. Seventy years, maybe, eighty. This psalm speaks of the faithfulness of the Lord even when his servants are less than faithful. This prayer of Moses points to the full knowledge of God and also mentions our supposedly secret sins. The 90th Psalm begins with preparation to pray and then actually offers a prayer. The first 11 verses are preparation to pray. Then verses 12 through 17 are actually the prayer. The 90th Psalm ends with a final request. Let us pray this way. A beautiful benediction regarding beauty. Let your work, O Lord, appear to your servants. And even though we're going to pass away, pass along... Let your majesty then appear to our children. Let your beauty, O Lord our God, be upon us. And confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. Biblically, beauty is recognizable. So is ugly. Biblically, Beauty is a reality. So is ugly. One could perhaps think of Pharaoh's pre-famine dream. Pre-famine nightmare. Seven cows come forward. Thick and sleek. Seven more cows come forward. Ugly and gaunt. All 14 cows come up out of the Nile and those last seven skinny gaunt cows are called ugly. They must have been hungry because they ate up the seven thick cows. Those cows are called ugly. But there's other ugly in the Bible. We can perhaps be stunned with our sensibilities by reading... 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 22, For there are some who resemble a dog going back to his own vomit. Ugly. Or like a, 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 a sow having been washed going back to wallowing in the mire. That dog back to its own vomit. That's a reference to the ugly in Proverbs 26, where that passage comes from a fool repeats his folly. That's ugly. There are are other uglies in the Bible as well. Uh, The refusal to forgive, that's ugly. It's also ugly when someone does not think he or she needs to be forgiven. I've done what I've done, and I'll wipe my mouth and say, I've done no wrong. Such ugly are not afflicted. And they will not be clothed with the beauty of the Lord who beautifies the afflicted with salvation. So ugly is real, but beauty is also real. The beauty of the Lord, the beauty of holiness. The beauty of forgiveness, the beauty of reconciliation, the beauty of not thinking so highly of oneself that you will not ever serve someone else. The Lord beautifies His church. Let me phrase that another way. The Lord beautifies his bride. Husbands long to see their wives beautiful. I recall during premarital, the pastor who led us in our premarital counseling, Pastor Swank, actually gave me a challenge. He said, Jeff, I challenge you, live with your wife in such a way that she is more beautiful in five years than she is today. The young, vibrant guy thought, "She's beautiful, it's not possible to be more beautiful." Then I realized what a high and weighty calling. The the beauty of the bride is observed by her beloved in Psalm 45. Yes. In Ephesians 5, the Lord's care for His bride, the church, is such that He might present her in all of her radiance, all of her glory. The Lord's beautifying of His bride, the church, that He's doing right now is a foretaste of what's to come. Revelation 21. And then I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God as a bride adorned for her husband. Now all of us have caught glimpses of this over the years. Think with me, if you will, about a wedding ceremony. The bride adorned and ready and the fellow, the bridegroom, stands expectantly, leaning, perhaps shifting from side to side or foot to foot, watching, looking, waiting to see her. And then the doors open and he sees her, st- stunning radiant, glorious, beautiful. Her, him, soon to be one flesh together. That man's face is often taken captive by an ever-stretching smile. That smile tightens the skin of the man's face The jaw may be strained, lips may quiver, some men have cried with joy, others have dipped with laughter of joy. The wonder of it all, she is present, his gaze is riveted. His face then glows. He beholds her beauty. The 19th Psalm speaks of the created order and other things, and speaks of the sun, that daytime ruling orb says that that sun, its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other, and no one, nothing is hidden from its heat. But that's not all the 19th Psalm says about the sun. The Lord actually likens the sun to a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. We've all seen this, and I confess, and I will not deny to times of standing beside the soon-to-be-wed fellow. And I will often turn to him so as to enjoy his Psalm 19 glowing like the sun countenance. It's beautiful in reception. and Beautiful in reflection as well. Beauty is a reality. Now, the Lord's work in His church is one of His ways of beautifying His bride, pointing us to holiness, showing us what service looks like. The Lord serves His people by giving gifts. He gives gifts to His bride. He gave His only begotten Son, He gives the gift of Himself. The Lord serves his people not because we are so beautiful and have everything together, but because he is so loving and shares his beauty with us, the afflicted and the unworthy. The Lord serves his people and he gives servants to serve his people, and they are supposed to show his beauty in serving one another. The beauty of the Lord is to be demonstrated through His servants. Verse 16 of our passage, Let your work appear to your servants, and let it trickle down, and then your majesty to their children. Now among us there are many servants, many servants, whose name may never become a household name. Their name may never be spoken of favorably by others, placed in an order of worship, put on a website, or granted first chair. Such servants, and there are many here, are not meocentric. They serve because that is what the Lord has done for them, and they long to display His beauty. For the beauty of the Lord is upon them. Our Lord beautifies His church by giving servants to His bride to help adorn His name and illustrate His ways. And I rejoice that our Lord gives servants to the church, even servants who are not perfect, to serve others who are not perfect because we are all together to look to Jesus Christ, who is. Now, by way of conclusion today, we will actually ordain and install a new servant among us. And this will be the conclusion of this, my sermon. At this time, Pastor Jeffrey, I'll invite you forward. Mr. Whittlesey, if you will come and stand between us. Dear congregation, having been nominated, considered, examined, and voted upon, we proceed now to the ordination and installation of Mr. Nathan Whittlesey as a deacon, as a servant in our congregation. May the beauty of the Lord rest upon us. Mr. Whittlesey, four questions for you, sir. Do you desire to accept the call of God and this congregation to serve as a deacon here? I do. Do you believe the scriptures as contained in the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments to be the authoritative word of God and the only infallible rule of faith and practice? I do. Do you pledge before the Lord and this congregation to assist the elders of this church and to joyfully serve along with the other deacons for the edification of this church? I do. And finally, do you accept the office of deacon in this congregation and promise by the grace of God to adorn the profession of the gospel in your life and to set a worthy example before this congregation?
1: I do. you have
0: got a public pledge. Please repeat after me. As God is my witness, I solemnly pledge. As God is my witness, I solemnly pledge. That I will serve this church faithfully as a deacon. That I will serve this church faithfully as a deacon. According to the word of God. According to the Word of God. and as the Lord enables me. As the Lord
1: enables me. I now have the privilege of asking you as the congregation here at all saints, whether you will accept Mr. Nathan Whittlesey as a deacon to serve among us. If you will do so, the appropriate answer is, we do. So, do you, members of All Saints Presbyterian Church, acknowledge and receive Mr. Nathan Whittlesey as a deacon, and do you promise to pray for him and his family and to yield unto him all necessary encouragement and support to which this office and the Word of God entitles him? We do. Nathan Whittlesey, receive now the office of deacon in this congregation, or Saints Presbyterian Church, in the name of God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. 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 As you remain seated, let's pray. Merciful and gracious God, we begin with gratitude. We thank you for the gift of this your servant Nathan Whittlesey and his family. In recent months, he and indeed all of us have reflected on the qualifications for this office, that they are demanding indeed, that deacons to be men of dignity and not double-tongued and not addicted to wine or indeed anything else and not greedy, able to hold forth the truths of the faith with a clear conscience and tested and found blameless, and that their wives must be women of noble character and their children godly. And we recognise these things, not as achievements of this man, but as gifts. Gifts of your spirit to him and to them and to all of us. And we thank you. Thank you for giving us such a man and such a family. And we ask that this would be the beginning, that Nathan would grow in these gifts, that he would grow in dignity and in wisdom, That with every passing week and month and year as he is tested he would be found blameless and that we would be blessed wonderfully and have all the more cause to thank you our Heavenly Father for giving him to us. May the pledges he has made this day strengthen his resolve to do this his duty. Open up new areas for service for him, new areas of ministry within our church as a whole, equip him to lead us by example, equip him to draw others along with him into the same diligent and sacrificial service to which you're calling him. Indeed, Heavenly Father, we unashamedly ask that you would use him to spur all of us to aspire towards that which you have created and we, with gratitude, recognise in him. May we strive towards the goal of increased Christlikeness. May we look towards the interests of others in seeking that by your Spirit our lives would be shaped with diaconal, servant-like character. May we seek to outdo one another in showing honour to one another through selfless service, that the Church may be strengthened, indeed, that the Church may be beautified, made more glorious because we reflect your glory and beauty. And we pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. At this time, I'd like to invite the elders and deacons to come forward and to assist us in the receiving of this man with the right hand of fellowship. Gentlemen, please.